Hey guys, a quick midweek treat for all of you out there. I was on Redacted with Natalie uh, just two days ago and they put out the video and in a day and a half it got a quarter of a million views and Natalie actually messaged me to say, wow, overnight we got a lot of views. Great stuff. So we had a super conversation. It's only 15 minutes and we went through some of the crazy stuff going on in Ireland and across Europe also uh, with the farmers and the war on farming. Uh, so it's a massive problem, but also an opportunity as those farmers are standing up on behalf of our rights uh, for self-determination and for self-sufficiency with real food in our own countries and not the globalist pipeline of ultra-processed muck into potentially 15-minute cities. So I go through all the details. We have a great conversation. Please do like, subscribe, comment below and hit the notification bell and of course share if you can and uh, without further ado, enjoy. Farmer protests continue to roll throughout Europe. Now, Ireland and England have joined the fight. Uh, those farmers, though, are no longer in the European Union. So what do they want? How can they express solidarity with European farmers while also protesting their own plights? Uh, biochemical engineer and corporate complex problem-solving expert Ivor Cummings joins us on this issue. He's been raising a lot of awareness about the regulations that are hurting working-class people in Ireland and abroad. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot, Natalie. Great to be back. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about what has happened to Irish farmers, not just this weekend or through the protests, but for months on months coming, why it's so hard for them and why they may feel solidarity with European Union farmers? Yeah, so the war on farming, last year I did a video, the war on farming, when these protests broke out in Europe, and I gave some thoughts on it. So I've been watching it for many years. So Many years ago, they used to give farmers money, uh, basically from Europe, to get them to produce less of X or Y, etc. And it seemed a little bit wrong because it wasn't market forces, which I like. Uh, it was tops-down, autocratic, kind of centralized uh, government from Europe. So I didn't like that. But it was fairly benign. Uh, but now, of the last couple of years, especially since March 2020, it's massive escalation. They're going after the farmers across the world. It's quite apparent. And they're using, of course, the classic kind of canard uh, climate. So I believe in Europe, they're using, particularly in the Netherlands, oh, nitrogen. They've chosen nitrogen as their kind of distraction. And then they're using CO2 elsewhere. And they're using climate targets and, and you know, all of this kind of stuff. But it seems from the top, there's a relatively sudden interest in crushing farmers and in minimizing the production of real food locally and for local communities. So it seems very much, and I would guess, and it's almost certain, it's been identified now that as well as CBDCs for more control and COVID for vaccine passports and QR codes and all the other things we're well aware of, uh, farming is seen as something to actually begin to minimize, minimize, minimize. And it's basically just helping them on a road to a more kind of 15-minute city type setup, which would be delightful. So let's move the masses into cities and departments. Let's have them tracked and traced. And let's feed them a pipeline of ultra-processed food from all our corporate buddies. 
And clearly, having lots of farmers locally producing real food, not processed junk, that doesn't really work with that agenda. So I think any listener can realize, ah, that's the connection. Because, of course, if you're promoting one thing, you, if you're smart, you always got to make sure you de-promote and remove the other options. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. Right. So last year, the Irish government announced that they would cull, which means slaughter, 200,000 dairy cows over the next three years. On what data? Why? Why would they do this? As always, uh, built on nonsense. But they've got the nonsense written down and it's got tags to the IPCC or the climate change kind of panel in the UN. So it looks kind of official, but I've interviewed several professors of uh, climate science and atmospheric science uh, already, and I'll be interviewing more and they go through the actual data and it's not there. So to give a quick example, uh, one person, Coonan, Professor Coonan made a great point and he's a Caltech provost. So he's top. He was Obama's kind of scientific advisor. This is top of the heap. And he made the point that in the last century or so, the climate has moved up. You can argue about why, uh, probably a natural cycle. It's moved up around 1.3, 1.4 degrees, let's say. And in that period, the planet has boomed. We've moved 90% reduced poverty. Our climate-related mortality and deaths has gone down around 90%. The GDP per capita across the world has gone up by a factor, I think, seven. I, that's my memory. And I could go on all day. So we've gone up 1.3 degrees, and everything has got massively better, hugely better. And now we're saying 0.5 or 0.6 or whatever number you want to guess at in the next 50 years is going to suddenly make everything bad. It, it's palpably absurd. But yes, Natalie, they're using that simply as an excuse uh, to do or to achieve the strategies that I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. So the call of cows was fact-checked. I'll have to tell you, Natalie, it was fact-checked by Reuters or someone. And they said the Irish government did not stipulate that they have to remove 200,000 cows. They proposed potentially. Okay. So you know the way the fact-check uses yeah. a kind of a fact element to actually discredit, but they pushed it. And our minister for climate and energy, can you imagine having a minister for climate and energy, two opposing things? He is an absolute idiot. And I can say this safely because I've been watching him for years. There is no way on this earth that a person like him of obviously compromised intelligence could get into a ministerial position when his party is two or three percent of the country's vote. The reason he got there is the reason a lot of them have got there over 20 years. Doors are open for certain useful idiots and doors are closed against family people and stand-up people who want a national, sovereign, healthy nation. So over 20, 30 years, we end up with doofuses like this at the top and they literally have a hand up their bottom. So he's the one coming out with this nonsense about 200,000 cows. I don't know what idiot would say, oh, I love the planet so much. I want to kill some animals to help the planet. I don't understand that. Who buys off on that? Who is that stupid? Another thing that kills me is this idea of, yes, the planet has warmed, but we, once we get to a certain threshold, cannot stop it. And that's something Klaus Schwab has said, 
is that it will keep, we'll never be able to go back when we have proof that the Romans had an era of global warming. What did they do? Did they have a Paris Climates Accord? We should look into that, right? It's so stupid. Um, I guess what I'd like to ask you as an Irish person is what do you think that, what is it specifically that Ireland can do different? And does this actually help the European farmers that there is solidarity throughout, at least throughout the continent? Yeah, Natalie. Well, solidarity always helps. And I've said since early on in COVID, the only thing that can help with this dystopian nonsense that, by the way, people should be well aware, this is all coming from a nucleus of largely wealthy, super wealthy, uh, older Caucasian men. And they have women as well in there. But that's where it's all coming from. All the accusations of racism and all the other stuff we've gone through with the mass migration, it's all coming from wealthy Caucasian people. So people should keep that in mind. But your question was, uh, yeah, what can we do? And the only thing is grassroots. The only thing are the farmers, uh, the welders, the builders, the common sense people of the land recognizing that this is a coup. And the coup was set in motion in the 50s with Rockefeller Brothers Fund. They identified pandemics and climate disaster as very useful opportunities. In the 50s, they identified them with no scientists in the room. And 70 years of funding and growing the UN and growing the Club of Rome, the Trilateral Commission, I could go on all day. They have, through a corporate, strategic, very well-run, you know, corporate thing, no conspiracy theory, they have managed to get all the right people in place in the right organizations. And the only thing that can push back against that now is exactly what you mentioned, protests and people coming together at grassroots level. And the reason is that, unfortunately, Ireland's politicians, clearly and evidently, there is no question about this, now set our policies based on UN, EU, and kind of WEF or Bilderberg objectives. And that's why they've fallen completely out of touch with the people because they get voted by the people with some smart talk about what they'll do for them. And when they get in, they immediately answer to the powers uh, uh, that be. So that's what we see. And recently we had a 76%, I think, said we have had too much uncontrolled immigration and the government are still ramming it home. But why would they when 76% of ordinary people in a top poll system, completely representative, are saying no, why would the government keep ramming it in? And the answer is quite simple and self-evident, because they're answering to someone who wants it. Right. And that's it. Yeah. Okay, I would like to bring our audience awareness of this 15-minute uh, piece that you did about four months ago in response to an Irish documentary, which was the craziest, most dystopian thing I've ever seen in my life, but it was real. Um, I'd like to play a little clip of it, but can you set it up? Tell us what this is, the fact that it was actually on TV, and how you almost fell out of your couch just with shock that they were saying all the quiet parts out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was comical. I made the comment before we went on air that, and I said it in the video, if I wanted to make a parody video to lampoon and to make idiots of the insects and the climate stuff, this actual video that was put out as a real documentary uh, would do fine. I would not need to change it. It was self-parody 
it was absurd. But essentially, it was Ireland 2050. And in 2050, Ireland is going to have major cities moved inland. And they said that. They had panel interviews and discussions set in 2050. So it was like a mockumentary. And they were talking about how Curraclough, an Irish beach, where it's nearly always raining, even in the summer, but you get some good days. In 30 years, that will always be raining in the summer, but you'll get some good days. There is no question about that. In 30 years, Curraclough will be the exact same as it is now. Shocking. But they said it's now Costa del Curraclough. <laughs> okay. I mean, it was just nuts. And then in the middle of it, as I watched it, I could not believe it. They had farmers who had no longer made milk because they said in 2050, oh, back in 2030, they brought in a fake milk that was just as good as the real thing and it cost half the price. So we had to give up making milk. And But sure, it's for the best. Some old actor playing a farmer. But then they brought the daughter in who was an engineer and she looked like she needed to engineer her diet, to be quite honest, and the father. In fact, all the actors were dreadfully unhealthy looking. But anyway, and she goes into a barn and the door opens automatically. And what are they doing in the barn that she switched over her father's whole farm? They're doing insects. Oh, so if I had a globalist bingo card to tick off any or all of their utterly absurd nonsense, I would have had a full card at the end of this documentary. That's how much of a ridiculous parody it was. Will we soon see green helmets being sent in to enforce climate action? I'll have the news from New York as soon as it breaks. How exciting. Will we see UN green helmets going in to enforce climate action? Well, we'll see. Happy Friday, folks. A documentary just went out. I got to share it with you. It's a real doozy on my country's prime television channel on primetime and it was incredible i mean if you ever needed evidentiary proof of the colossal scam that's going on at the moment to see this documentary fully funded slick high production values going out on the main television channel to condition and propagandize the people of the country uh, this is it you will in 2050 be facing the green helmets of the un coming in to enforce you know, just a little bit of conditioning there. So bizarre, so sinister. Our climate has moved from being temperate. We now have uh, the Costa de Curaclo, for example, which is a huge tourist magnet. The Costa de Curaclo. For people outside Ireland, Curaclo is a beach that occasionally has sunny days in the summer. And in 30 years time, right, it'll still occasionally have sunny days in the summer, mostly rain. It's not going to change in 20 or 30 years. We know that even from IPCC don't claim that, the official climate body. So this is utter propaganda, you know? Costa the Curaclow. He couldn't make it up, but they made it up. Sadly, many people will actually watch this nonsense, not realize it's pure anti-scientific propaganda, and they'll actually swallow it up. And that's why it's important that we get the message out on, on disgraceful kind of propaganda productions like this, uh, because we need to let people know you are being duped at a colossal scale. This is happening now. It's not just in the future. But if we look into 2075, what we're facing is terrifying. It means that children born today will be living in a society of sociological and ecological collapse. And really, the stakes couldn't be higher tonight. Cara, Harry, thank you so much. 
Cara, thank you so much for delivering such beautiful propaganda on behalf of our paymasters. All right, you can watch the whole 15-minute reaction to this utter nonsense on YouTube or X. Um, uh, Ivar tells me that it's been demonetized on YouTube. That is not surprising. We had at least two climate-related pieces last week uh, demonetized or downranked because that's how it goes. So seek out freedom of speech platforms, everybody. Please. Now, this week, you're going to be busy uh, going to Irish Parliament to speak about uh, excess deaths. Can we just pivot quickly away from the pandemic or away from this, um, these farmer revolts? And you tell us about that. And hopefully you can follow up later in the week, maybe if you're free. Yeah, sure, uh, Natalie. So briefly, I'm going there really as press. So I'm not deeply connected to the people or connected at all. But I did get the heads up. There's going to be a couple of press conferences. And I think at midday, they have got an actual room in the Irish Parliament, the Doyle. Uh, Senator Keoghan, who's a fantastic lady, got them in. And sure enough, as soon as people got wind of this happening, one or two of Irish's main or Ireland's mainstream newspapers did hit pieces. What did they say? Yada, yada, yada. Far right. Anti-vax. Always the same nonsense. But in any case, they're going in. I guess what will happen is like the English Parliament when Andrew Bridgen uh, went in. A lot of MPs and, and, and TDs won't turn up. But, but we'll see. But the key thing is the press conferences. And I'm going to be really interested to see uh, does any of the Irish press come and try and do a hit job or will they just do what they did with me during COVID? They realize they can't interview me because I'm going to catch them out in every question and they know it. So they just say, don't give them airtime. So I'm guessing they'll do the same with this. A few generic hit pieces with the trigger words, far right, racist and uh, anti-vax, and then they'll walk away. But Andrew Bridgen's over. Christine Anderson, the M member of oh, European Parliament, yes. she's a fantastic lady, yeah. Uh, and I get to meet her for the first time. I met Andrew in, in Sweden and interviewed him already. And uh, there's another doctor lady, and Tess uh, Laurie, I think. She's great. I met her in Portugal. So they're bringing four solid-as-a-rock people and uh, it's it's going to be great to interview them and do some Vox Pops and, and just be there during the day. Okay, well, we'll follow that. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking about this uh, with Redacted. You can follow uh, at Fat Emperor on X and also on uh, YouTube as well. And we'll follow what you're up to for the rest of the week. Thank you so much. That'll do it, folks. Uh, I've been a few times on Redacted. Really enjoy being on there uh, it's a great channel covers the real news and natalie is a treasure and as always huge thanks to my patreon and paypal supporters they allow me to go out and do the research and produce the content appear on various platforms even travel and give talks when you're lucky to get expenses covered at best uh, but it's a mission and the mission is all about getting out facts reality to the people and explaining what's actually going on and as always we must counter the torrent of misinformation coming from NGOs various official bodies and institutions and of course the legacy media which is just a mouthpiece for all the bad guys so thanks so much folks and anyone else who can help really appreciate it